Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today we're talking about marriage, yes. and I know that oftentimes um, whenever we talk about marriage and somebody who is not married thinks that they can't get anything out of it or that it's not for them, but I want to encourage you, just like you learn addition and subtraction and multiplication and division in elementary school so that you can do algebra in high school. You can learn about marriage now, no matter what stage of life you're in, and it will be there to help you when you need it. So we are going to talk about marriage today. Whether you're a single lady or you're a single man, you can still get get something out of this. Fella, fella. Well, hey, um, you know, the the very first covenant that that we see in scripture outside of between man and God is between husband and wife like this you know there's lots of contracts and covenants that we enter into but but the very first one and there's this thing in scripture called the law of first and so when you see it the first time it's 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 setting the stage for all things that follow it so it's the first human uh, covenant and let me suggest this to you the first government that was established on the earth besides God's government, the kingdom government, is the government of the home. And so the reason is, is because all the other governments on the planet are supposed to be, the the source of those is supposed to be from the covenant of of, a family, from the government of marriage. So it's, and really what a government is, it is an institutional leadership. So God established the home and he said, this is the model that I want to establish for cultures, for society, and the health of society will be determined by the health of the home. Did you know that? The reason why there's so much ruckus in America right now, it's not because of who's in office. It's because we've got away from the home nucleus. When that breaks down, this is why there's so many imprisonment. This is why people acting like hoodlums because somebody didn't raise them right come on and if they had a marriage that was in place and they had a family that was in place then we would have a much more stable society so even even the heathen can benefit from a from a a, a family that's blessed by god right and so and let me just say that the first thing that god blesses come on the first thing that god blesses is marriage it's the first thing genesis chapter one let's look back at the beginning genesis chapter one verse 27 so god created Mankind in his own image, and the image of God, he created them. So a man, a single man, isn't the image of God, right? right? Them, they, husband and wife are created in the image of God. Male and female, just two, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. So he created them, then he blessed them, and then he gave them a mandate. Be fruitful and increase in number or be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it so this is god's mandate for marriage is what dominion dominion of what the the family no dominion of the kingdom that's what kingdom means king's domain okay so matthew chapter 19 this is what jesus says about marriage what does he talk about he talks about what was talked about in the beginning so this is what he says haven't you read Matthew 19, verse 4. And again, he's, he is citing actually Genesis chapter 2. The, the following chapter, he cites this. He says, Have you read, haven't you read? Other words, it's in the scripture. Aren't you reading your Bible, people? <laughs> he replied, That from the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And he said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and be united with his wife. The old language says, Leave and cleave. So whenever you get married, you leave your current family unit. Come on. I know sometimes wives have a harder time with this than husbands, right? Leaving, leaving your mama, leaving your daddy, and being united with your spouse. So now the most important opinion in your life is not mom and dad, but it's husband and wife. That's right. That's right. Okay. Right? It's your priority now. Come on. All right. We can, we can dig into that a little further, but, but for the sake of time, we won't. And they will become one flesh. The two become one, just one. Right? Your identity now, once you're married, is not your own identity. You've become a unit. You've become a marriage. Right? Okay, so they become one flesh. They are no longer two. They repeat it. That's right. He's like, listen, read your Bible, people. No longer two, but 
one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate or not let no one put asunder. Right? People do that. They used to do that at weddings. Does anyone have a problem? <laughs> no man can separate what God puts together. And so what is Jesus' definition of marriage? So people are like, oh, the definition of marriage. What is not, what's overflows church definition of marriage? Well, it's not about overflow church's definition of marriage or America's definition of marriage. It's about Jesus' definition of marriage. Jesus talks about sexuality. He talks about gender. And he talks about marriage all in this conversation right here. Marriage is this, one man, one woman for one lifetime. That's what marriage is. One man one woman for one lifetime and for the purpose of one purpose God's purpose God's purpose on the earth this is why God created marriage so marriage has a mandate so the building block of culture we've already hit on this is family and at the center of family is marriage you don't have a good family I know you're doing your best no matter how strong of an individual you are a family without Husband and wife will dysfunction. It's not saying you can't do it well, but it's not the way God, it is not necessarily always your fault. But it, but listen, it, it is the way that God intended it, right? And so the, God intended it for a reason because he wants to advance his kingdom. And so two are better than one. Amen. And the good news there is that even if you're coming out of something that's already broken, God still has redemption for that's you. Right. So that's right. It doesn't discredit you. So marriage has a mandate, and the mandate is not this, your personal happiness. Marriage isn't to complete you. That's not what marriage is for. Well, how, how, do you know that, how did you know that they were the one? Well, because I just feel so happy, because I just feel so loved, because I feel so complete. Listen, happiness is a byproduct. And, and enjoyment, listen, enjoyment, happiness is important. That is an important thing. We're not undermining it. It is important. It's important for you to experience happiness, but it is not primary. It is a byproduct. So enjoyment is crucial to your marriage. If it's going to be fruitful, it needs to have some happiness in it. But go ahead. And the, the thing about somebody completing you is, is just a myth. Because if you're not whole in yourself and you don't know how you are in Christ, you can't give a half of a self into a whole marriage right. and it be successful. That's right. That's so you broken. need to have a complete self to have a complete marriage. And what you need to do, no, just <laughs> yeah. So don't say that. Don't find someone to complete you. Come on, be pastor. complete in God, mm-hmm. and find someone to do life with. Yes. So uh, if the purpose is happiness, what's going to happen when you're no longer experiencing happiness? Right. So why do people get divorced? Well, I, I fell out of love. Right. Well, the problem is you fell into love. Yep. That's the problem, and and you've equated love with romantic attraction or feeling. And that's not what love is. Love will produce that. And if somebody says that, we just should say, well, then fall back in. Right. Fall right back in. <laughs> Come on. You fell out, you can fall back in. That's right. And so love is a choice. Uh, so fulfillment comes, how do, you, how do you experience fulfillment? By fulfilling God's purposes. So how is a marriage successful? By fulfilling God's purposes together. Why did God put you together? Yeah. If you, your answer is so I could feel better, then you've got a broken mindset. God put you together because you can accomplish more together than you ever could alone. Well, and I think it's also a misconception, um, especially maybe not as much today, but before that that women had to lay down what they wanted to do in order to just do what the husband wanted to do. But God has given each of us a purpose, and then he puts us in a situation with a spouse that marries also our purposes together, and we can accomplish more together than we could alone. So... The intention of marriage is this. Why did God put you together? To advance his kingdom. And I know it'd be easy for you to say, well, you're pastors. Of course you're saying that. But even if we weren't pastors, if you were, you know, if you were an author, just an author, and you you weren't doing ministry, and I was just a graphic designer, and I wasn't doing ministry, our purpose still would be the kingdom of God. It doesn't necessarily mean we work for a church. Come on, God's kingdom is the church is in the kingdom. The kingdom isn't in the church. I mean, the kingdom is in the church, but it's not, it's not confound, uh, uh, confined to that. Thanks, babe. Thanks for helping me put my language together. Um, so, yeah. 
And God wants you to have a fulfilled life. You know, we're not saying that you should be miserable in order to, you know, lay down what you want to do and pick up your cross. Yeah. You know, God wants you to have a fulfilled life and his intentions for you are good. And uh, and he has a, the best way of making it all work together if you're willing to just lay down your expectations yes. and just be willing to seek God and see how he, what he has in store for you so, together. So even in marriage, the goal is this. Seek first the kingdom. What are you seeking in your marriage? A bigger house? Come on, a picket fence? I want a truck and a travel trailer, an RV. I want that. But that is, listen, that can be a goal. But the goal in marriage is to seek first the kingdom. Even in marriage. I know that you made that decision as an individual. I'm going after God. I'm seeking first the kingdom. Even in marriage, the goal is that. Seek first the kingdom. So most marriages end because at least one of the parties start thinking the marriage is about them. Well, it didn't benefit my career, or I didn't feel happy. And listen, the, so the spirit of the age. Or so they weren't meeting my needs. Right. Oh, come on. Yeah. They weren't meeting my needs. And so um, the spirit of the age doesn't want the kingdom of God advanced. So where does the spirit of the age attack the most? Yep. Marriage. Because marriage is the primary place that the kingdom is advanced. The first time we see it advanced is through marriage. So, of course, the devil hates marriage. And this is why God, God doesn't hate divorced people, but God hates divorce. Why? Because God established marriage. Right? There's lots of things. By the way, when I say that, there's lots of things that God doesn't like that are, God hates cancer. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he hates you if you have cancer. Right. And he doesn't mean that he hates divorced people. He just right. hates that it breaks the institution that That's he right. established. And it's also one of the reasons that it's such a subtle attack um, from the enemy on marriages continually, you know, you see the divorce rates the same inside of the church and outside of the church right. is because it is a picture of Christ and the church as the bride. And if the enemy can manipulate the way that we see marriage in the physical and in the, you know, in the natural, then, it, then he can start to put doubt in our mind on how, how we are as the bride of Christ yes. and how Christ sees us and, and all of that. And you know what? Listen, the devil is always attacking our marriage doesn't mean that it's showing up because we know we know the devil hates our marriage so he's always attacking it right well every single marriage is continually your marriage will be attacked by the devil until you die until you fulfill that covenant that said until death do us part so the devil's gonna attack it expect it because he hates it he hates it but don't fear it don't fear it because you're stronger together that's That's right. right Just understand that it's coming. So put the work in so you're strong to resist him. Um, So our culture, culture has set you up for divorce because the spirit of the age controls culture. Um, And we, as followers of Christ, we don't take our cues from the culture. We're not conforming. We're transforming. So uh, we, we heard... This week, I was talking to my dad, and he said that they found out about a church in the area that they live in, and it's full of swingers. Like, there's couples that... Because and they think it's okay with God because they consent. So you can basically just because a person's okay with it means God's okay with it. False. False. You can't please the Lord and not do it God's way. And we've got a full culture that thinks God's just okay with it because nobody's hurt or nobody's offended. Uh, Wrong. There's a lot of things that offend God that don't offend people. Like the stuff that's in your heart, thoughts that you had this morning offended God that don't offend people. I mean, every day. And so culture is always, you know, doing this kind of thing. Um, So we're not trying to adapt or be progressive. We want to do things God's way because we want God's blessing. And so culture preaches independence. I mean, it's really set us up for failure. We have TV programs that have drastic, you know, issues in their marriage. They're, They're fixed in 30 minutes, you know, or Netflix an hour or whatever. Um, and we all know that that's not true, that it, that we have to work through these things. So the other myth that, that, that culture tells us is that feelings are factual. And we call that my truth. Well, it might be true that you're feeling that way. That doesn't mean it's a good feeling for you to have. It's good for you to come clean. I'm feeling this way. I shouldn't be feeling. I should align my feelings with what God says. And so, um, and that's the breakdown of my truth because there's no Leslie's truth and Josh's truth. There's only the truth. And if we want to have a good marriage, then we've got to adapt to what the truth is, the objectional truth. And this is why it's important to have the word. Absolutely. And I think too, just 
um, in the culture we see with movies and all that stuff, this happily ever after thing that is that is allowing us to think that um, the falling in love and the getting married is kind of the ending. But they don't talk about like the next morning when she wakes up with morning breath, yeah. and, you know, and when he forgets to put the toilet seat down. And like, he's got a dad bod. Yeah, they just don't, yeah. or you know, they don't talk about that. They don't talk about it. And so we think that this happily ever after thing is a, uh, yeah, you're looking good, baby. <laughs> Um, we think that this happily ever after thing is reality and it's so not, you know, yeah. and, and the whole, this is, you know, oh, I found the one. Well, no, you didn't find the one you found a person. And then when you got married, they became the one That's right. and that's the one for you. And they're you just can't, perfect. yeah. No, and I think too, when people, a lot of times when people are in a marriage and it starts not going well, they're like, I guess he wasn't the one. Yeah. Well, no, he's the one work it out. Yeah. Yep. And we have just this. The world paints this picture for us for, for pe- perfect people. And there are no perfect people. That no, 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 nobody looks perfect. Nobody acts perfect. We're all sinners yep. until we come to Jesus. Okay. So we think what we think in marriage is because of what culture tells us by all these standards that we think that if I have struggles, I'm not being successful. But let me, let me tell you this. This is the lie. I don't have success if I have struggles. But that's not the truth. The truth is what makes you successful is that you're, over to, you're able to overcome the struggles, right, right. beloved. You're going to have struggles. Yeah. And what's awesome is and what's victorious is when you overcome those. And we've had to overcome a lot in 16 years. I mean, you know, hats off to Leslie. Come on, man. She putting up with me. Come on. Y'all know that's got to be so tough. <laughs> you know, you know. So when you, when you got married, though, listen, when you got married, you signed a covenant. Yeah. Right? You signed a covenant. You got married. The two became one. And you didn't just do it legally. You did it before God. You did it before God. And so that's why we make this marriage vow because it's not just, it's not just to Leslie. It's also to God. And when you remove God from the equation, you know, we use the stat 50% of Christian marriages. I would venture to say, and I, and if you study the statistics, truly, most of those people just call them they're nominal Christians. They call themselves Christians. If you're following Jesus, you're committed to Jesus before you're committed to your spouse. And so I've got to keep my promises to my spouse because I'm committed to the Lord. Um, and, and, you know, like anything else that's strong, you know, it takes work. It just takes work. Yep. And I think, too, as society is continuing to be more extravagant, we see Pinterest kind of change the world. Um, you know, the pressure to have this extravagant wedding. And people are literally spending tens of thousands of dollars on mm-hmm. wedding. Young people are going into debt to have this one perfect day right. that's going to be over. And then they're not willing to spend $70 on an hour of counseling. Yeah. Or to go to a marriage retreat. Or, or to buy a book. Buy a book, you know. And so we can't be willing to put money into something to make it picture perfect. Yeah. But not be willing to fix something that's broken. Come on. That's good, babe. So good, Pastor. So, listen, with marriage, sometimes it's work, sometimes it's fun, right? Sometimes it's heaven, sometimes it's hell. But you've got, listen, you've got to be committed when it's bad if you're going to experience when it's good. And and we've had that. We had to, like, we had a, you know, the, the six-year mark was hard for us, really hard, and it wasn't just our marriage. Like we lost our, I mean, our lives were t- literally turned upside down. And it, and, and it was in the most difficult time of our marriage. And we were committed to God. And we were committed to one another. And now our marriage is way better, way better than it was even a year one or day one. Like we love one another more than we ever did. And if we would have given up then, we wouldn't have known how good marriage could right. be. Right, we wouldn't have. And that's what happens so many times is people think this isn't good, this isn't worth it, and they just bail. Right. But you have to be willing to put the work in. You know, you see these couples and you're like, I want that. Well, then do it. Yeah. Put in the work. I decided a long time ago, I didn't say this in first service. I decided a long time ago that I wanted to be a couple that people looked at and thought, that they're encouraging me, they're building me up. Yeah. So I was like, so if I want that, then I've got to put the work to it. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a really good guitar player, you got to practice your guitar. And so I just yeah. decided I want my love for Josh to inspire other people. And so then I just loved you extra hard. And then Thank now you, it's, babe. I put in the work and then now it's easy. Yeah. Is it easy? It just flows. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. It's easy. Yay. <laughs> Loving you is easy. It really is. Um, 
So Jesus makes a statement. He's like, don't let anyone separate. And so we're going to talk about some destructive mindsets that will cause division. Okay, some practical things. The first thing is this, comparison. Right? And so we have social media in front of us, right? We have these TVs in front of us, all these good-looking people with lots of makeup on and lots of Photoshopping and lots of filters and this their highlight reel. They Listen, when they posted that on their highlight reel, they repost, they, they took that video 50 times just like you did before you posted it. They also have 300 pictures on their camera roll and they chose the best one. And so you're comparing your reality to their highlight. You've got to stop this, beloved. You've got to stop the comparison. When I even saw a thing one time, I just remembered Hannah posted something like this not that long ago. And then also I remember seeing it for one of the reality TV shows that I watched that they actually, the, the producers will come in and they will set up a corner of the house, just a corner, and it looks so nice and styled. And they'll sometimes even paint that corner a different color. And then the rest of the house is chaos. Yeah. But so you think you get this little glimpse of this corner of their house and you think that they've got yeah. it all together. But it's like if they would have just panned that camera just a little bit. So broken. You'd see it. Yeah, yeah. so broken camera angles. You know, this. there's this TV show that we're all familiar with, Fixer Upper, right? Chip and Joanna Gaines. And we love that show. But it's it's like... And, you know, they're a great couple, and they, you know, they do a lot for the kingdom of God, actually. And, uh, you know, Chip is always chipper. You know, he's always like, ha-ha, he's funny and goofy, but he's also manly. Like, he can build anything. And, you know, and it's like, for me as a man, I'm like, dang, I kind of suck at this man thing and like especially as a husband and then you have joanna over there and she's always like super high fashion she's baking cookies and they're like perfect circles and like they all got like three perfect nuts on there it's like you know what i'm saying and their house is all immaculate and their children are all well behaved and you know it's like dude you don't get to see the like 300 hours that they took to make a 40 minute show you know and and i love them and i appreciate them but that is for me to compare my life to that, it's very unrealistic. You know, I'm not going to be funny all the time, although I'm funny. You're very funny. Very funny. Very funny. And I'm probably funnier than Mr. Chip Chipper. Maybe so. But we just get to see his big moments. Yeah. Well, and even like, and you're way classier than, oh, than Joanna Gaines. Thank you. Um, you know, <laughs> well, and just kind of like the same thing on social media. I think about, you know, we all have our little things that stress us out. And I don't know why, but taking family photos stresses me out really bad. Mm. And so every year we post our pictures and they look so good. But I guarantee you, I was yelling at somebody in between, you know, like, if you do that, then I'm going to pinch your leg. And then I'm like. Well, and then we asked the photographer. We're like, didn't you take like 600 pictures and they give you eight? And they're like, yeah. You don't want to see the other. <laughs> You're like, Thanks for doing that editing for us. Right? But yeah, so don't think that just because it yeah. looks good, there's not That's right. junk in That's the mix. That's right. So comparison is very destructive. Uh, you know, comparison, comparing yourself or comparing your, your, your marriage. The second is this is competition. Uh, competition. Competition corrupts the union and specifically competition between one another. Between one another. Uh, it's important to remember that, that Leslie Brown is my companion, not my competition. Right. Your spouse is not your competition. And so when we got married, I'm significantly older than Leslie. I know it's hard, you're, it's hard to tell. Um, but, but I'm significantly older than Leslie. And um, so one of the things that I would kind of use sometimes is I would kind of use my age as kind of like a, a way to manipulate, which is another point. I would kind of use that as, well, you know, you're not as old as I am. You don't have as, as much you life know. experience. You don't know. And it created a lot of issues or, or life experience or ministry experience or whatever it is. And I would use that kind of as a way to compete with her because it made me feel better about myself because I had more life experience. Yeah. And it didn't work. No. No. Yeah. No, it was not, not, not a good choice. Not well, a good choice. And a couple years ago, you know, we do this marriage encounter every year. And if you've never attended one, I want to encourage you to because it's so amazing. It's just such a good way. Even, And I think, too, the misconception, back to what we're talking about counseling, the misconception is you're broken if you need it. But no, yes. you can always work on your marriage, and it's always good to. Um, but uh, it was the Deemers who said um, that they started using this phrase, and I really like it, and they call it home team. Mm -hmm. And they remember that when they're arguing or something that they're not uh, on opposing teams, but they're both on the home team, right. and they're working together you know, so good. towards each other. And I those love that. Those little things, it's those little tips and tricks yeah. are so good. You know, but even also like in a group setting, sometimes, you know, you have people, and both of us are actually kind of sanguine, which means we're like the life of the yeah. party. We can't Extrovert, be, yeah. people-oriented. Um, yeah. And it, sometimes in that, one spouse will put the other one down or like say a joke that the spouse is the butt of the joke to make people laugh, but you never, ever, 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 ever 
put your spouse down in a joking way, in a serious way, in front of other people, um, even if it's you're trying to like get like sarcastically jab at something yeah. you don't like, but you're not brave enough to talk to them about it at home, something that you That's want right. them to work yeah. on, um, it, it's only going to bring bad news. Well, and culture does this a lot with men. And, oh, yeah. and I, like I can share with the this. comedian. Yeah, it's like, my husband is so stupid. Ron Regan does a thing, and he's like, he's in the back eating like a muffin. Hey, that's a guy. And it's healthy. Like, that's, I mean, that's kind of what... It, the men are always stupid in the sitcoms and, you know, and, and that type of thing. And it's like, so women sometimes will belittle their husbands. And listen, you, you, I've seen women do this to their husbands all the time, belittle their husband. And they go, well, he just won't be the man that I need him to be. It's like, well, all you're right. not, you're speaking the yeah. kind of man right. that you're getting. And you know, that, that works, that shoe fits on both feet. And yeah. so it is important to just remember that never put, never belittle your spouse uh, to other people. The man, I want people to think Leslie Brown is the queen that I know she is. And so I'm going to brag on her to other people. I'm going to be like, man, look at her. Look at her. You know, look how awesome she is. And, and, and I'm always going to boast about my wife. And that doesn't mean you can't be vulnerable with somebody that you're accountable to for yes. help. But Someone you're accountable exactly. to for help. Yes. But it's never in a way of complaining, always in a way of wanting to see yeah. improvement. Go ahead. Go ahead and hit on And, it, you know, I think, too, we see so much of, like, um, this me culture, like, put yourself first. Don't forget yourself. Take care of yourself, too, you know. But if we are as one partner in the marriage are willing to put our spouse before ourselves and put them first and we're making sure that everything that they need is fulfilled and then they in turn make sure that the other spouse's needs are full in turn you don't have to worry about yourself that's right your spouse is taking care of it and you're both fulfilling each other and you don't have you never get empty that you have to take care of yourself and part of me is glad for the like the self-care movement but for most people that are really into it it's overboard and it's self-centeredness. It's not self-care. Yeah. It's being self-centered. It's not self-care. That's actually a detriment because most of the people that are self-centered are the most insecure, they're the most depressed, and all those kind of things. So self-care is important. It's important that I that I understand that I'm aware of my needs. But I am not self-centered. I'm not trying to address my need all the time. I'm focused on her and trusting God with my emotions, trusting God with my fulfillment and understanding that he, that I have the vehicle, that he is using the vehicle of my wife to minister to some of those needs that I have. It's beautiful. I love how God uses it. And so again, his kingdom, his attributes being advanced. So we have comparison, competition, and the third is manipulation, manipulation. And uh, this is trying to control your spouse through enticement or withholding. Right, and this can be withholding all kinds of things. It could be giving your spouse silent treatment. Well, I'm not going to talk to you because you're whatever. It's not saying that you might not need to take a break, and, and, and but for you to go days, yeah. that's that's manipulation. Um, emotional responses, not not giving the person the affirmation maybe that they need, or the communication that they need, or the sex that they need. Yeah, that's right. You know, sex, sex is not something to be withheld in order to get your way. That's right. And it's not a reward. You behave right. well. So That's you're right. going to do, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, you can turn the crock pot on That's men. Right. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. You want to have a good bedroom life? Then start it early in the morning. Don't yep. like, not like five minutes before. That's right. Don't treat her like a, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to well, be yeah, careful. Heard, my language this, there. I'll, I'll explain it one way. We heard this thing one time that uh, that for husbands, a good way for them to remember is that it's a crock pot. Yep. you got to turn it on in the morning, and it's got to work That's all right. day before dinner's ready. Mm-hmm. And so the other day, Josh was smoking some pork, and so we were joking that he was turning on the he, he turned on the smoker and the crock pot. You yeah, know what I'm saying? On. He took care of dinner, and I was like, I That's see you. That's because I was washing the dishes. And he washed the dishes. I like, I see you. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you... you Appeal, like, <laughs> sex appeal is like a man serving his wife. Yeah. And uh, men, we don't really need much, uh, not much help to be motivated. So we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll continue. Yeah. Um, so with manipulation, it's not a way of, go ahead. 
You're not no, going to say you're not going to say that I'll start treating you this way when you do this for me right. or when you do that. And we were at a marriage. No, you need to be prophetic in your acts. So you know right. what? I'm going to go even though they're not treating me the way that I deserve to be treated, I'm going to treat them the way they deserve or to they be treated. Or they want or I want or to they, be treated. They, or or I want to be treated yeah. or the way that they need to be treated. And we were at a marriage um, little conference a couple years ago, uh, several years ago actually. It was when we were still in El Paso. Um, but they had, they talked about this thing called the crazy cycle. And, um, for the most part, you know, each relationship's unique. Everyone's not the same, but for the most part, men will not show love to their spouse if they don't feel respected. And if women, uh, women don't offer love, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Women don't offer respect when they don't feel loved. So what happens is neither one is doing what the other partner needs. And so it's just this vicious cycle that just keeps on going. So somebody has got to just stop and say, like he was saying, it doesn't matter that he's acting like a hooligan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respect him and believe that he is going to start loving me and become the man that I need. And then, and sometimes it's the men, you know, you need to love your wife, no matter if she's acting lovable or, you know, she has morning breath and you will get the respect in return. Yes. Somebody's got to be willing to start it or it'll, just, right. con- it'll right. just keep going. Come on. So manipulation. Number four is separation. And by separation, we mean independence. We, I needed a word uh, that had I-O-N at the end. <laughs> and so that's why we use the word separation. But basically, we're talking about independence. And so, again, culture is always preaching independence. You just, you need to be an independent man. You don't need anybody. Women, you don't need no man in your life. Listen, that is toxic to a marriage. You do need your husband in your life. And husbands, you need your wife. Regardless of how strong or solid you think you are, you need your wife to get off some of those rough edges and to teach you about the grace of God. And so my, my suggestion is this. When people are preaching independence, I'm like, well, a part of two becomes one. Do you not understand? Yeah. And it's not saying that you can't have a career, but you don't have a life and they have a life and then you have a life together. No, it's just one life and your life outside of the quote unquote home, your eight to five needs to complement that life or you need to get rid of the eight to five. Your marriage is more important than your career or your fulfillment at that. So, uh, and you know, we, we talked to couples sometimes and they, They've been married a long time. They got separate bank accounts. Yeah. I'm like, what, what are you doing? No, separate bank accounts. There's oh, yeah. only one bank account. Like he'll pay, he pays the car payments and I pay the mortgage. And then you know what happens? Is it gets into the competition thing. Well, I make more money. That's than right. You. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I I get to pick whatever I whatever I want. I get to have, or but not say, you because with I make my more money. money. With my money. Ooh. There ain't no my money no, in sir. marriage. No, there sir. ain't no my bedroom. That's right. Absolutely. Because you're not roommates. That's right. Roommates split the bills. You know, you're not friends with Benny's. You're married. Come on, baby. Yep. Oh, benefits. It's that 10 year thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Benny's. Not friends with Benny's. Pop culture over here. <laughs> oh, yes. And also in, in, in the independence, you know, one of the things we talk about when we do our premarital counseling is. It's okay to do things sometimes when you're not sure. doing it together. Like we're not, you know, we've as long act- as you've agreed on them. Yeah, you know, we actually see some couples in an unhealthy way where they only do things together and then they become like oddly codependent. You know, that's yes. also not good. But um, you know, you don't get a girls' night every Thursday for seven hours. You know, and you don't get to come home at four in the morning. Like you don't get to do those things no. when you're married. And no. and if you find yourself having that right and not willing to let it go, Ooh. then you really need to check your heart because right. the marriage is always first. And that, like we said, that doesn't mean you can't do those things. That doesn't mean you don't have the times that you do that. But it should always be an understanding and agreement. Like like last night there was a fight. Josh wanted to watch it. Sometimes we have, you know. 15 people over. So he was like, I think I want to get the fight. Can I invite some people over? I was like, like two, you know, because yes. I didn't feel that they go late and I didn't want everybody there. And so he was like, cool. Sorry. So you didn't get out. invited. Sorry. Well, we had an it was me. We Sorry. Well, I used to mountain bike every Saturday. Yeah. Yep. But every if I Saturday. was to tell, but him, it was agreement. Yep. Yeah. But if I was to say, I don't want you to mountain bike this Saturday. I want to go on a picnic. Then I had to say, I got that basket. That's right. I packed the yep. basket. That's right. And I'll leave the bike at home. That's right. Turn that crock pot on. Yeah. So, and then there's, so there's the independence as an individual, and then there's the independent as, as a couple. Right. Like, we don't need other couples in our life. And, and uh, you know, you've heard the statement that says it takes a village to raise a child. I would also suggest that it takes a community to have a healthy marriage. So true. This is why it's important for you to be involved in a group, a community group. And listen, 
If you're married, you can have single friends, but you need to have married friends. Absolutely. Listen to me. Yep. Listen to me. When we first got married, we had a lot of single friends because we were youth pastors. And so people would grow up. Remember? We, people would grow up and they would stay single. And then they were they would hang out with us all the time, but we didn't have any married people yeah. friends, and no. we had we struggled because we of that. That was our, that was when our marriage was really rough because we had two young kids, that you know, none of our friends had kids, yeah. none of our friends were our age, and we just thought that our marriage was really bad, and we thought we were doomed to fail. We both have, um, we both come from divorced parents, but then parents that are remarried and are still together. Yes. But we but we just thought this is it, like this is where that we've hit the point where it's just not going to work anymore. And it was actually when we moved to Amarillo and we joined a church that was healthy and had a lot of young couples our age with kids, our kids' ages. And we started just being vulnerable also, you know, being real in that context of that group. And we were like, dang, our marriage is pretty good, (laughs) you know. Home team. Yeah, not in a comparison way, but realizing that everybody has these little things that they deal with. And that doesn't mean you have a bad marriage. That, you know, we think that because we argue, that means we have a bad marriage. But you are going to argue in any relationship you yes, have. Sibling, yes. best friend, If you're going to be parent. close, you gotta, you yeah, gotta, you got right. to fight through the Absolutely. distance. If you're going to be close, you got to fight through the distance. Somebody tweet it. Come on. That's good. I don't want to forget that one. Somebody help me with that. So don't, <laughs> thank you. So uh, don't wait to get help till you're in trouble. Uh, one, one of the couples that we, that we love in our church that have a real healthy marriage, they go to marriage counseling all the time. And they don't have any marriage problems. They're just investing in their marriage. Well, and even, it costs them money. And even with us. We love that. You hear, it's a stigma. Like you hear we're going to counseling and you think, what's wrong? What's going on? <laughs> no, everything's right. But we want to keep it that way. Yeah, that's just the, the lie yeah. of the culture. But you know, you don't want to wait until the hole that you've dug is six feet deep because it's a lot easier to get out of a shallow hole than a that's deep right. hole. That's right. That's good, babe. All that preaching today that you're giving. Number five is deception. Deception. This will destroy your marriage. Listen. Deception is our secrets, right? How I many you know secrets keep you sick? So deception, anything that's hidden, come on, letters, old pictures, text messages, text threads, emails, social media conversations, browsing history. Yep. Listen, if you delete your browsing history because you don't want your spouse to see what you've been looking at online, you've got a problem. You've already got a problem. You're deceiving your spouse. You're deceiving uh, yourself too. Right. To think or it, passwords that they don't yeah. know. Absolutely. They should have the password. You, you, we should probably every night voluntarily hand our phone to our spouse and say, "I just want you to know that I'm being that I'm being a man of God." I almost just said your password out loud, like because I knew oh, it. You did, and then I was like, "Oh, just don't. she knows my password." <laughs> don't say it. Everybody and, will know. And it. I don't get nervous if she picks up my phone. That's right. Because I don't got anything to hide from this woman. Because when I got married, I gave up my right to privacy. That's right. I don't get to have privacy anymore. I'm married. The two have become one. That's right. There's no just Josh Brown anymore. That's right. Josh and Leslie Brown. That's, That's right. who we are. Yep. That's who we are. That's, right. That's who we are. Well, and sometimes so. it's hiding a small thing that's not even worth hiding. But then the the fact of the of uh, you're allowing yourself to hide it becomes a habit, and then you'll hide bigger things. That's right. So, for example, when Josh and I first got married. Um, oh, yes. It's kind of funny, but so we, well, it's not the what it's the principle. principle. Yeah. So when we first got married, like we were way more um, specific about what we would watch on TV and different stuff. And we, at the time we were like, we only listened to Christian music, worship music, all this stuff. And I was watching a show on done, done, done MTV. I don't even remember what show it was, but can you believe it? I know. So sorry, guys. Okay, but so here's what happened. Josh left to work, and I it was this. There was this little period where um, I was not working before I got pregnant, or I might have been pregnant. I'm not sure, but I was staying at home. He left to work, and I sat down and turned on MTV, and he forgot something, and he started walking back inside, and my heart started racing, and I fumbled for the remote to change the channel, and I felt the Lord so clearly, like, well. Maybe you shouldn't be watching that if you feel like you're hiding it from him. And I was like, okay, I won't, I won't watch MTV anymore. But it's it's so true. Right. Like, but you just honored me. It in was your a honesty. check. It was a check yeah. that I was like, why? Because even if you came in and saw me, you might have been like, well, that's a dumb show. Right. But it was the fact that I was like, I knew that you probably wouldn't want me to, but I did it anyway, and I would have kept doing it yeah. if you wouldn't have come back inside. Sure. Man, that's good, babe. 
So your spouse needs to be able to say no to anything in your life. Yep. Uh, obviously, not abusive things. Right. But, but as far as like activity, the things that you're doing, they need to be able to say no to that. If she wants to say, I don't want you riding mountain bikes anymore, when I used to do that, I should just, okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that I like it, but my marriage is more important and honoring my wife is more important than me having a quote-unquote right on That's that. Right. Yep. So number six is tension. Tension. And that's just unresolved conflict. Listen, peace has to be made. It doesn't happen. That's right. Peace just doesn't happen. We think, oh, I just, I just want to have peace. I want to have un- non-events. That's what we mean when we say peace. Listen, peace doesn't happen. It has to be made. That's right. And just so look you, at our, our country right now, if you need yes. an example. <laughs> yes. It's not just going to happen on its right. own. It We've doesn't. We've all got to be intentional. Yeah, that's right. So, and, and marriage isn't about perfection. It's about redemption. Yeah. And so marriage, just like your covenant with the Lord is about redemption. I make mistakes, and the greatest thing that I can, that Leslie can do to prove that she loves me is to forgive me when I make mistakes. Right. And she doesn't manipulate me with forgiveness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Come on. But she exercises yeah. like Jesus. Well, I think a lot of times in marriage, one of, one of the partners will do something wrong, and the other one will hold it over their head for a while until they're done. Until you know, what I'm saying yeah. like, well, punishing them. Yeah, like yeah. you did this, so I'm so like almost like manipulating until they get they use it for an exam uh, for an excuse way too long to get what they yes. want. But you know, and the scripture says about not going to bed angry or don't let the sun go down on your wrath, and it's so true. And honestly, we cannot say that we've never done that, and it's and it's not good. And when you go to bed angry, you don't sleep well, you don't get rest. When you wake up, you're like, are we still fighting? I don't know. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I'll be like, good morning, and then. And he doesn't say anything. I'm like, nope, not over, you know. And so it's just not worth it. And sometimes little splinters can still get infected and and really turn into yeah. something big. So it doesn't matter if it's a big fight or a small right. fight. Just work it out. When it's work it and, out. And, and so many times, like we have like things that are big to us that aren't big to our spouse. And that's the thing, the tool that we've learned is like how big of a deal, like we have a measuring thing. It's like, this is like a 10 for me, or this is like a five for me. And it's important to know those things because it helps you deal with like, hey, this is important to them. Even though I think it's silly, it's a big deal to them. So I, again, my primary purpose is to serve my spouse. That is my primary role. And so I want to make sure and do that. I, I want to read a, a verse, 1 Corinthians, and these are just some things to remember, and we're, we'll try to rush through this. But we talk about this verse a lot at weddings, and we talk about it a lot when we're shopping for a plaque at Hobby Lobby, and it's 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's the love chapter. And Leslie has some great insight on this, but but I, I want to read this to you. This is this is the biblical definition of love. It's not my interpretation. It's what it clearly says. Just yeah. the, the other things that we've been talking about in Scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud nor rude. It does not demand its own way. Whew. That's not loving. No, I say that's not loving. It's not irritable. Oh, Josh Brown. That's the one I'm going to struggle with. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It forgives. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. How often? Never. I love you, but I've had enough. Apparently not. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance, love lasts forever. And I can't remember where it was that I heard it or read it or saw it. I'm not sure. But um, it was this, uh, like a mother talking to a daughter. And she said that if you're trying to know if a spouse is going to treat you right, then you take out the word love and you put their name in there. And if you can't say, Josh is patient, Josh is kind, you know, then maybe that's not the spouse for you. But even once you're already married... You know, I if, if I need to have a heart check, you know, for a long time in our marriage when it was kind of rough, I was praying every day, Lord, let me just be the best wife I can be today. I want to mm. be the best mom I can be today. And if, if you're trying to check and see how your heart is in your marriage, replace it with your name and declare it over yourself. Leslie is patient. So good. Keep going. <laughs> you're going to make me cry. Okay. Leslie is kind. Or if you're not seeing those things in your spouse, declare and pray over them. Josh yes. is patient. Josh is kind. And, and just remain rooted in this and don't, don't look, don't look for the negative, but look for places to build up and to, to edify. It's such a prophetic act. 
It really is. And another thing is like what you said just ministered to me so deeply. It's like when you prayed for me during that time, you didn't pray, Lord, change Josh. Yeah. She's saying, help me to be the best I can be. Help me to be the best I can be. Lord, draw them. You could pray like, Lord, draw them to your heart. Let them experience your goodness. I mean, pray for your spouse. Don't pray at your spouse. Pray for them, Lord, that they would experience your love. Oh, gosh, I'm getting all like ministered to. Okay. Um, so these are a couple of things to remember. Number one is this. Tenderness is greater than strength. Tenderness is greater than strength. Absolutely. So kindness uh, not being harsh, forgiveness in our culture. They're saying that those are weak things to do. Right. Understand that the kingdom of God is countercultural. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is really what we're talking about. Absolutely. We're talking about tenderness. Yeah. So vulnerable couples are more healthy than strong individuals. Right. So that I'm willing to come to Leslie and say, you know, I just I have a hard time with forgiveness. Yeah. Babe, I have a hard time with being irritable. And I don't necessarily want to be that way. Right. I want to be less irritable. Will you help me? And in that vulnerability, then your spouse cannot point it out to you and be like, oh, well, you're just being. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Remember, remember you said. Yeah. You're irritable. Even you admitted it. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Y'all never had these conversations? Like, even you. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, but it's important to just be real in your insecurities with each other. And sure. We're, like we were talking about earlier in a community and knowing that yes. other people have it. But we heard a sermon or a podcast one time by Chris Valadin, who's out in Bethel. And he's been married a really long time. I think like 40 years or something, right? Something. And he was saying that um, him and his wife just decided that they both couldn't have a bad day on the same day. Yes. And so... If the wife was having a bad day, she told him, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. I, I want you to know that the kids are being hooligans and you're going to come home to a mess and it's a disaster and I'm grumpy and I want you to know that that's what you're walking into. And we've done that. Josh and I have started doing that. If, if it's kind of crazy or if he's having an emotional day, then he'll let me know like, hey, I need some grace for today because I'm not I'm not my normal self. I'm not right. on my top game. I can't give you what you, right. what I feel like and it, you need and to And it get. allows us to to step up to the plate and mm-hmm. to serve our spouse in a greater capacity. And it also prepares them to not have a negative surprise that they're right. about to walk into. And also in that not expecting her to have the same strengths. I mean, part of the reason God put us together is because we have different skill set and different strengths and different weaknesses. And so the Lord... Um, will we'll use her to complement my weaknesses. And so for me to force her to be strong where I'm strong, that's foolish, right? And so we've had, Leslie will tell me that sometimes, well, I'm not that way, you know? And it doesn't mean that we don't need to improve our weaknesses. We all need to do that. But to expect them to be strong where I'm strong, and that's a problem. Um, so tenderness is greater than strength. We'll rush through these. Number two, devotion is greater than emotion. So this whole, this whole language, you know, love is love, all this kind of stuff. Listen, what, what people mean by when they say love is romantic connection, okay? But, but strong marriages are not built on love in that context, but on commitment. So strong marriages are not built on emotion, but on devotion. De- being devoted to your spouse is what makes your marriage strong. Not because you have this fairy tale feeling, because that's going to go away sometimes. You can reclaim it, but it comes and goes. Absolutely. And just as we've learned in becoming parents, you can be mad or disappointed or frustrating with one of your children, but you don't stop loving them. Sure. And you wouldn't decide to stop being their parent because you don't like what they're doing, right. just like you shouldn't decide to stop being in a marriage because you don't like what your spouse is doing. Right. Marriage is 100-100. Absolutely. Not 50-50. Yeah. 50-50 is divorced. Yeah. It only takes one person to want a divorce. That's right. Even if the other only person one. doesn't want a divorce, it only takes one. That's right. To, to file. That's right. Yeah. And typically that's the case. Yeah. So both people have to be all in, yeah. all in, not yeah. like half in. Well, I give and you give is, it's not compromise, it's commitment. Yeah. Check. All right. There we go. Cut out for a second. So I, I heard this statement one time. It says, we get married because we love one another. From then on, we love one another because we're married. And so now I love her because we're married. Yeah. Right. We got married because, I, but now we're married. And we're before God, so I love her because yeah, of that. Absolutely. So sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. And I would also say on devotion is my devotion to Jesus. You know, the most important relationship that we have is with the Lord. Yeah. Not not necessarily together. Yes, that also. But also my individual relationship with the Lord is more important than any other relationship with my life and with my wife. So 
Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get through this. So and let me say this, and I'll, we can come back to your part there. Okay. If I fear the Lord, I'll honor my spouse. Right. If I fear the Lord, I won't pursue divorce. If I fear the Lord, I won't cheat on her. If I fear the Lord, I won't treat her like garbage. If I fear the Lord, I won't lie. I won't commit adultery if I fear the Lord. If I honor the Lord, if I'm committed to the Lord, I'm not going to act like a heathen, like a sinner. I'm not going to sin against my wife if I honor the Lord. So, well, Christians get divorced all the time. Only when they're not following Christ do they they choose the decisions. And I'm not saying that they're they're unsaved. Right. When it's like if you're struggling to stay devoted to Jesus before you get married, don't expect to be devoted to your spouse when you are Such married. Because if you're cheating on Jesus yeah. now, you're going to be cheating yeah. on Jesus and your spouse. Oh, we used to see later. this when I was a youth pastor. We're like, if I, if I was dating someone, I'd be such a better Christian. It's like, oh, no. False. <laughs> False. Now you have all these other temptations and right. you're trying to act like you're married. Number three, partnership is greater than individual roles. Uh, we had a thing happen. We, I know we need to hurry. We had a thing happen uh, Friday. I went to Ikea to do some retail therapy. Mm-hmm. And so as I was at Ikea, I saw some of those amazing cinnamon Yummy rolls. cinnamon those rolls. Those? You guys have those? Awesome. Oh, they're really good. So good. And so I was like, well, I'll just buy some of those and take them to the family along with some of their cheap Yeah, chocolate. and on Saturdays, I always do pancake Saturday. It's our little tradition. But he bought those. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to make pancakes. We're going to eat the cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And so, you know, warm he them up in the microwave. Seven seconds. Yeah, he wakes up before me, so he had already had his. So then yes. after when I had mine, he asked, are you happy with your role? Are you happy with your role? And I like, said, it was like an hour later, yeah. so we were like, you know. And I said, in life? <laughs> and he said, cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny. I didn't think it was funny at the moment because we banter like that all the time. But yeah, it was, it was, it was just funny. funny. So uh, it's important to remember that your main role is to serve your spouse. That's right. That's your main role. And each marriage is going to look different how they figure things out. Your roles, you know, yeah. Some, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Even though I do a lot from home, he works. We know some other couples where the wife works and the dad stays at home. And so there's not a perfect way. You yeah. have to figure out the roles. What works that best work for your marriage. for your marriage. Yeah. And you decide that. Yeah. And also understanding that responsibilities are more important than the roles. Absolutely. And so it, I'm all the grass. I don't expect Lissy to get out there and touch one single tool outside but if I needed her to, she'd be willing to step in. Absolutely. And like when we, I used to do all the grocery shopping and then I think it was either when we had our third kid or our fourth kid for sure. It was too much. Mm-hmm. And so Josh just started, I'd send him, a, send him a list. He'd, I'd send him a I'd list do. on his way home from uh, work. And when he walked in with all those bags, he was looking really good. Yep. So sometimes the roles change yep. and that's okay. Uh, and then I, let me say this about parenting is that we're not really going to talk a lot about that, but. First of all is this, never put your kids first. That's right. Well, we got to put the kids first. Nope. nope. No, you don't. Because they're going to leave when they're 18. Yep. You got yep. them for 18 years. You got this person for a lifetime. One man, one woman for one lifetime. Don't put your kids first. Because they're going to leave and leave you. The worst thing that Go you could do for else. your kids. That's right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do for your kids is put them first. That's right. You know what the best thing you can do for your kids is have a healthy marriage. That's right. That's a healthy marriage. Have See, the best, the best gift that I'm giving my four kids is this. Is, is showing them what, what it looks like to be in a healthy relationship with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Hey, Judah, this is how you love a wife good. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mariah, this is what it looks like to be loved by a man. Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff is important, but that's the most important thing. Um, and number four is this. We okay? Yep. Is the future is greater than the past. That's right. The future is greater than the past. But here's the deal. You've got to commit to the future by investing in it now, by sticking to your commitments now, by being a man or woman of God now. If you're single and you have a future marriage, which Mm -hmm. I believe you do, come on, you are making decisions now. You can be faithful to your spouse that you don't even know now. That's right. You can can invest in your marriage now by sitting through a teaching like this. Yeah. By praying, by keeping yourself pure, sexually pure. Yep. Come on, by guarding your emotions. Well, and like I said earlier, just because you may find yourself divorced or you feel like your marriage is not something you even want to put the work into right now, um, that doesn't discredit you from having a good marriage. Sure. From whatever point you are, you just start walking forward and you yes. can have a good marriage. Just pray.